Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Our kids can help to be with our team in Redemption Kids this morning. And I'd like to invite everyone to open their copy of God's Word to the book of Matthew. It will be in chapter 6 this morning, starting in verse 5. Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. And uh, as you uh, turn there, I just, uh, I was reading this week and I just wanted to just share this, this one verse with you uh, as we prepare to receive from God's Word. Uh, and I hope this just falls on your heart and, and uh, encourages you today, all right? So listen to these words from Jesus in John 17, okay? And this is what, by the way, this isn't just for today. This is for uh, every Sunday. This is for every time you open up this book, okay? Are you ready? This is what Jesus says. And these things I speak in the world that they... Anybody who follows Jesus may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Did you catch that? Are we together? Everybody? Nod bigger so I can see, right? So like every time we hear from God, it is for our joy. Receive it today. Receive it today. God, we ask that you would help us to receive these words, every word Jesus spoke, as a gift of joy from you today. That God, thank you that you're the God who brings joy to the world, including our little lives. God, thank you. May our joy be full today as we receive from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this, this morning, we're going to uh, continue our series through the Sermon on the Mount, the new normal, uh, but for the next few weeks, we're going to be in the new normal Christmas edition, all right? So, and, and what I love about this, what I love about this, sometimes the Christmas season, you know, we'll do a special Christmas series, and this is a special Christmas series, by the way, but, but you know what I mean, like more that are like the birth of Christ or like the scripture that's pointing to the coming of Jesus for that first time, that advent of his coming. Uh, but at the same time, like what I love about this is that I've been saying it every week, and it's just the conviction of, of, of my life, of our lives, that if this book is true, then its relevance is relevant for every single day. And this is what the Sermon on the Mount is like, Jesus, if you want to know what it's like to follow me, then here you go. This is it. The Sermon on the Mount is, is about what it looks like to follow Jesus in his kingdom. And so if it's relevant for every day, then that certainly includes every day in the month of December, all right? And so as we, as we talk about prayer this morning and fasting next week and, and the topic of worry and anxiety of the following week, um, these are all just truths that we need to hear that will help us in every season, even this season, Okay. And so as we get into the, the idea of prayer today, I have a simple encouragement. And usually, like, if you're paying close attention to how Pat, the pastors, like, kind of craft a sermon, you have a title, and then you have a point, and then you have some points that, you know, amplify that main point. And uh, that's the same today, all right? But today, there's a title, and there's a point, and they are the same, all right? Pray like a child. That's the encouragement today. Pray like a child. That is what... Jesus, in his joy, for our joy, is inviting us into pray like a child. Now, there's something about the Christmas season that puts on full display the beauty of children. 
I can remember when I was a kid and just, you know, being with my family at Christmas time. I can remember my grandmother and maybe some of my aunts and uncles talking about, you know, Christmas is all about the kids. And I thought, you know, like, what's wrong with you? Like, you don't want, the, you don't want these gifts? Like, you're not pumped about the meals and, you know, and it's, but as I get older, I understand what they meant. Christmas, there's, I mean, Christmas is for everyone, right? And it's, but it's so um, just encouraging when we see the awe and the wonder of a child at Christmas. Just watch a child, watch their eyes light up, listen to their excitement and anticipation for Christmas. Watch their joy in this season. Observe how they laugh. Observe how they play. Listen to them sing. There's something beautiful about the life of a child. And Jesus is inviting us to become children again. In fact, every single day to live our lives like children for that is what we are in Christ. John 1.12 says that all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so for all who have seen the beauty of Jesus and the life of Jesus and trusted in what he's done for us, God has now adopted us into his family. He's in the words of 1 John 3, 1. He has lavished his love on us. And now we're called children of God. And so as we talk about uh, this new normal and the revolutionary way of Jesus, I just want to pose to you that this may be as revolutionary as it gets. For adults, often can I speak for myself and say often proud adults who deep down think I kind of got it figured out, who go about my business but often miss the awe and the wonder and the joy and the shouting and the singing and the trusting and dare I say snuggling up against the heart of my father. So I'm thankful, very thankful that Jesus invites us to be children again, to pray like a child. And so read these words with me as Jesus teaches us what it means to pray in his kingdom. It starts in verse 5. It says this. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, 
For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. The first encouragement from this passage this morning is for us to, like a child, spend undistracted time with our Father. Now, now clearly, clearly you can see here what, what I'm trying to do, okay? Like, we're going to cover every verse in the passage, but the first words that Jesus instructs us to pray are what? Our, you, you got it, right? Our Father. And so I just want to, from the angle of those two words, lean into what it looks like to pray like children. And the first is to spend undistracted time with our Father. See, what's going on in the text? Just like we saw last week, there, there, there were these hypocrites, many, many of whom were the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones that were supposed to be the, the pristine example of what it looked like to know God and to follow him, the, the, the ones who wrote down the very, the scribe, you know, scribe writes things down. The scribes were the ones that wrote down the law. Like, if anyone should know God, know the heart of God, it was the scribes. And yet Jesus says, they're hypocrites, because they look really shiny on the outside, but they're really dull and lifeless on the inside. And then this is seen by how they, when they give, they, they make sure that they show up at the opportune time so that everyone can see their generosity. And, and when they pray, they, they want to be the ones, hey, you know, it's like a church gathering in the synagogue, a place of Jewish worship. When, when the uh, ruler of the synagogue would call on someone to pray, they were, they were hoping that they would be the ones to get to pray. Not because they long just to speak to their heavenly father in the context of their family. No, they wanted to be seen. It was self-righteousness for the sake of self-glory. And what I mean by that is, is they, they wanted to look really good so that other people would praise them. This is what they were chasing after. Self-righteousness for Self-glory. And, and as, uh, as Octavius Winslow would say, and this is, we just need to pay attention to this. Please just pay attention. Octavius Winslow is the man I wrote my dissertation on, and he said that, that pride is a protean evil. Now, let's just be real for a minute. When I read that, this book was written in the 1900s, I mean, sorry, the 1800s, I had to go back to Greek mythology and what, like, protean, what does that mean? But Proteus was a, a, a Greek god, a sea god, and what Proteus did was he had the ability to change and to vary himself in different environments. And so Winslow calls pride a protean evil because it can show up at any moment when we're doing anything even when we're doing the most holy things. 
So Jesus says, look, like he's, he's teaching us how to pray, and he starts by like, this is how not to do it. Don't do it to impress other people. Don't do it for their applause. Don't do it for self-glory. But there's a flip side of this that I think we need to consider this morning. I would venture to guess that most of us, I mean, hey, listen, can pride creep up into our prayers? No doubt. No doubt. Like that we, that we pray and we, we, we try to sound a certain way so that others will think, oh, look how spiritual they are, man. I want to pray like them. Let me set an example in prayer. I want to pray so that others can learn how to pray from me. That's self-glory. But there's a flip side of pride and prayer that's not self-glory, but it's, it's trying to preserve self-humiliation. And what I mean by that is this. You see, there's a certain kind of prayer that prays to look good in front of other people. And there's another kind of withholding prayer so that we don't look bad. So, so, so when we get together in a small group, or thank God we come to pre-service prayer at 9 a.m. every Sunday at Redemption Hill, we, we hold back prayer because, ooh, I don't sound as spiritual as they do. I don't, I don't know the Bible like they do. I don't pray as eloquent as they do. Therefore, I'm not going to pray. And they're two sides of the same coin, both rooted in pride, both concerned with others more than God. And so Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare. A snare is a trap, right? It's like when we fear other people, in other words, when we, when we respect them more than we respect God and revere God, then, then we'll fall into the trap of not experiencing all God wants for us. Not self-glory, not self-humiliation. And let me just give a, a shout-out and a word of praise to God because two weeks ago in my small group, my, my community group that meets on Monday nights, we had two people pray as we were, we don't always stand up and hold hands to end our night, but we just happened to do that this time. Someone suggested, I was like, yeah, great idea. So we stood up and we prayed, and two people in the circle of like seven people said, you know what, this is my first time to pray out loud in front of somebody else, but I'm going for it. Come on, can we just give it up for those two people? They know who they are. Thank you, God. Love it, love it, love it. And so Jesus, Jesus shows us a way out of this. He shows us a way to protect our hearts, to evade the temptation to pray for the sake of other people or to not pray for the sake of other people. And this is what he says in verse 6. Look, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There are many ways this is described in various translations of the Bible. Some say, go into your closet and pray. Go away by yourself and pray. Go into the inner room and pray. Get away and pray in private. The point is this. Jesus says, like in a Palestinian home, um, did you know that, that most of those homes, okay, this, this wasn't 21st century America. We think we have it rough, but, you know, people in the first century basically lived in a one-room home. 
like many parts of the world, still live in a one-room home, and they're doing just fine. But, but this one-room home would often have like a closet. And this closet wasn't a glorious place. In fact, this was often like a very unsanctified place. This is where they kept food for animals and things like that, maybe a pet. Um, but, but the point is that this inner room, this closet, could be actually the only room with the door in a house and could be locked in as like the place that you could gain privacy. And Jesus is saying, find a place like that. Because then, listen, it's just you and God, and he alone is hearing your prayers. And you're not concerned about all these other people that are surrounding you, but you're just going to God because God is your father, and he wants to hear from you. And so I just want to encourage us, I just want to encourage us, this, this Christmas season, can we, can we begin, can we begin to kill the noise in our life? Can we begin to kill all of the, the various distractions. I mean, I, I get it, and I love this season. I love it for a thousand reasons, but, you know, there, there are people to see and parties to go to and plans to execute and, and all of the things that, that come up, presents to buy and to give and to receive. And, but, but what happens is that the most wonderful time of the year become, become the most stressful time of the year. And it's just a blur. We're just so busy going here and there and taking care of this and that. And we don't slow down long enough, long enough to even think deeply on what this is all about. So Jesus, like when Jesus says, like, go into your room, like go into that inner room, go into the closet, get alone with God, get as some old preachers just like, get shut in with God. I love that. He's saying, slow down. He's saying, get the distractions out of your life so that you can actually focus on me, so that we can, like, like Moses. Did you know that Moses in Exodus 33, verse 11, it says that, that he met with God face to face as one meets with a friend. Friend. Oh, God longs to have a relationship like that with you. He wants to see you face to face. He wants your full attention. He wants you to, to put away the distractions. Listen, I don't, what distracts you? I, I don't know. I probably do know. I mean, this is like, this is not like, here's a moment. Like, we just read this Sermon on the Mount. Like, Jesus, yeah, like, when you do this and when you do that and when you do this. So like, you know, we, we share with all humility when God leads us to do something that's probably good for us. But I can tell you that three years ago, Marsha and I, we cut cable. And it was for two reasons. Number one, we needed to save some money. But number two was to drown out the distractions. How many shows, how many of the same news stories can we hear like 20 times? How many, how many games do we watch that like at the end of the just they're just not that important? Netflix, social media, hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of social media. Even socializing, even work. Maybe, like, maybe work is like, it's a really busy season for us. For some people, it's not. End of the year is cool. It's easy. For other people, it's very intense. And you know what? Let me just go out on a limb and say this. Perhaps 
God will take care of that extra hour you're tempted to work. And as you spend time in that hour with him, you may discover that work goes just fine. In fact, maybe it goes better than you would have expected. God has a, God, listen, God has a sneaky way. God has a sneaky way of blessing those that find time to get on their knees before him. Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us for being so distracted with the things of the world. God, thank you for putting Korean Christians in my life over the past year. God, thank you for putting Nigerian Christians in my life over the last year because they're teaching me to pray. Not so distracted. As as countries go, persecution, suffering, less affluence and wealth. So, so, so here's the, just to make this even maybe a little more concrete. Um, I would definitely encourage you to spend time with God every day. You know what I'm saying? Not just like a passing thought of him and like you like shout out a little prayer before a meal. Like do that. Don't like don't stop. But like spend, spend some quality time with God every day. Like, like, like actually pick up this book and hear from this. God speaks to us from this book. We just, we pick it up and we hear from him. And we get away and we get into a closet. It's like, what is the closet about? Like, if you have an actual closet, then use that closet. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I was even thinking about, like, there's this little bathroom on our first floor. It's just a half, like, just sink and toilet, and there it is. It's like, that's what Jesus was like. That's probably the closest thing in my house to a Palestinian home. Like, maybe if, if just everything else is going on, like, maybe I need to put on my headphones, and I just need to get in that bathroom. Sounds silly. Sounds weird. Sounds like what Jesus says. Where is it? I mean, it doesn't have to be beautiful, right? It's like, I'm just I'm thankful for that detail of like, they stored the animals food there. Like, dude, get down in your basement. Put on a jacket and, and get down in your basement if you have a basement. And here's probably the, 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 the better word of wisdom. Go to bed earlier. It's hard. I know it's hard. Go to bed earlier. And get up earlier. I mean, what else is going on in Psalm 57 where David says, I will awake the dawn with your praises. I can promise you that if you will beat the sun up in the morning, you will have some quiet space with God. And if you have a newborn that's screaming, then we're going to send somebody over to Bounce that baby so you can get along with God. Okay, so just let us know. Let us know. That's what family's all about. But this is the Father's heart. He wants to spend undistracted time with us. Solitude. And, and by the way, like just as a little pro tip here from a pastor, maybe some churches talk about like devotional time or quiet time. 
And that's, that's good. Like, it even comes from this idea, solitude, focus. But quiet time does not have to be quiet. You know what I'm saying? So you know what I'm saying. Like, quiet time, like, hey, when I spend time with God, a lot of times I'm quiet. A lot of times I'm praying silently. A lot of times I'm reading uh, quietly. But there are times, read it out loud. There are times I'm turning on music and I'm singing at the top of my lungs in my quiet time. Because that's like the Father's heart. Shout the Father's heart. Spend undistracted time with God. Number two, like a child, communicate without reservation or need to impress. All right? Communicate without reservation or need to impress. This is what he's talking about. He he shifts from uh, the the Jewish hypocrites to the the Gentile pagans who didn't know God, didn't know the one true God. And he says when you pray, don't be like uh, the Gentiles who heap up empty phrases for they think they will be heard for their many words. And so what, what pagan practices often were, and we see this in various world religions today, is that there's like this muttering and this meditation, and there's this saying the same words over and over and over and over and over and over and over again with the assumption that our word count buys us favor with God. Hey, if I put my thousand in, maybe God will answer this by the end of the month. Yeah, but if I put my 10,000 in, then probably by the end of the week. And we just learned from the pages of Scripture that, that guess what? God does not negotiate with us. We don't, we don't win him over by our actions. He's not a negotiator, but he is a father. And fathers listen to their children. They listen. Because God is our dad, we don't have to impress him. Show up with bedhead before God. What a funny image. And I'm just saying, like, that's what God wants. Please come. Don't, don't, you don't have to polish yourself. You don't have to do a certain number of things. Just come. Like, my favorite thing as a dad is when I get home after work and my three daughters yell, Daddy, and they all come running to me. And then it gets even better. On my best days, then they actually just like, they don't even just do that, but then like, they fight over who gets to spend time with me. Daddy, will you play a game with me? Daddy, will you read a book with me? And, and what I love too is it's like, you know how sometimes like children, they're selfless and they they want to let others in on the game, but a lot of times they're selfish because they just want undistracted time just to be with their dad. And so Jesus is saying, like, come like this. You have complete access, unfiltered access. Because of what Jesus has done for us, did you know that in the Old Testament, 
The, the place that most represented the presence of God was called in the temple the most holy place, the holy of holies. And there was a huge curtain that separated the people from the presence of God because God is that glorious. And so there was only one person who would go behind the curtain one time a year. This was the great high priest, and he would go in to make atonement for the sins of the people, the sins of the nation, and they would go into the presence of God. Did you know that they would tie a rope around that great high priest's ankle so that if God struck him dead because he is that glorious, they could at least pull him out and no one else go in and get killed as well? And it's like, that's that's crazy. Or maybe you're saying, God's that holy. God's that glorious. If you you had the opportunity to even gaze at him with your physical eyes, you would go blind. That's how amazing God is. And yet, now in Christ, when Jesus was crucified on a hill outside of Jerusalem, yes, that's why we call our church Redemption Hill Church, When Jesus was crucified and he shouted the words, it is finished, what happened to the curtain? Torn in two. Torn in two. And God is screaming to every one of us, come to me. Come on in. You don't have to wait. You don't have to perform. You don't have to impress. You just Come again. Come every single day. Oh, and how I love that the Lord, this was in my notes, but the Lord's Prayer, it shows us we should be coming every single day. It's right there. Give us our daily bread. Are you just going to pray that once for the year? Hmm. Two other things about this real quick. Because Jesus did say, the reason you don't have to heap up phrases is because God is such a good father. He has always had his eye on you. And he knows what you need before you even speak the word. And I was just thinking about this with my kids this week as I was meditating on God as my father. Oh, how I do so much for my kids. They don't have a clue. How could they? They're just children. They have no concept of money. They have no concept of work hours. They have no concept of how we're trying to invest in them. And this is us on so much of a greater degree with our Heavenly Father. And so I love the wisdom. I have this uh, kind of mentor from a distance. His name's Mac Lake. He's taught us a lot about leadership, leadership development. And uh, Mac's just a, a man that I dearly respect. And I know we just talked about that whole bit about giving when you not to your left, let your know your right hand's up to. But uh, Mac was one of the ones that helped even us move into the community center, just personal generosity. He just said, hey, I'll send a gift. This is the kind of guy he is. 
And, um, and so anyway, Mac, maybe just, you know, a decade or two ago, and he was serving in a church, and he was going through a difficult time. You know, pastors can go through difficult times. It's okay, by the way, in ministry here in real life, here, you know, like, you can go through difficulty. And, um, and he was walking to his car with this friend named Chip Judd, who's a, a professional counselor, just a man of God, walks with God, is giving counsel to people on the daily, and and, um, and Mac was just struggling, and, and Chip just said, Mac, what does God want most from you? And Mac gave the answer that I would have probably given, you know, it's like the, the, the shoe from the hip Sunday school answer, like God wants me to glorify him in everything that I do. Yeah, Mac, that's right. I mean, what else? Like, oh, he wants me to love him with everything I have. Like, after all, that's the first and greatest commandment. Yeah, Mac, you're close, but that's not it. What does God want most from you? He wants you to let him love you. He, he just wants you to let him love you. This is what happens when we spend time with the Father. We get to know his heart. We receive his love. We, we let waves of grace wash over us. He changes us, but, but it's, receive, it's in the receiving of his love that then we turn around and love him in return. This is what God wants most from you. Receive his love. And when you receive his love, it will motivate everything else. Trust me, it just does. Who are the most effective people in ministry, truly? Those who spend time with God. So we can, we can communicate without reservation or need to impress. As we spend this undistracted time, we can come to him with anything and everything. Unafraid. There's no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. Thank you, God, for how you love us. And then number three, and this is where we get into the Lord's Prayer proper, all right? Um, we can, ask, we can ask boldly for what moves the Father's heart. Ask boldly for what moves the Father's heart. And even we were praying in pre-service prayer, and we were praying in our worship team huddle back here. And I just know, like, this is, this is like, um, and no, um, no disrespect to Catholicism, but I've, I've talked to friends who are Catholic, and they've just shared with me, like, Hail Mary, full of grace. Hail Mary, full of grace. And, and like repetition just becomes this thing. It's just like a blur, right? We just say what we're supposed to say. and we. But listen, listen. This is, this is how the Lord's Prayer can be. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can you come and we'll be done. Like, just praying it. Without like, it's, 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 what is the empty phrases? They're empty. They're meaningless. They're not from a heart that's really in tune with God. So, listen, we can, we can, and I think we should. At times, just pray this prayer verbatim. There's nothing sinful about that. There, there can be something that's everything right about that. If your heart is in tune with the Father's heart, pray this prayer in 20 seconds and pray it with joy. But, but notice that in verse 9, Jesus says, pray, pray then like this. 
So this is why some call this the model prayer, because it's a model for our praying. It's like each line can launch us out into further prayer. So you can pray this in 20 seconds, or you can pray it for two hours or more. So what is, what is the Lord's Prayer all about? I'm praying this would be fresh for us. Not familiar, fresh, fresh, fresh. Number one, more glory. I've shared this framework in the past. I'm just bringing it back up because hopefully it'll stick in your mind the more we talk about it. More glory. Whose glory? God's glory. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first word, our. Jesus is so wise. What does he do? He intercepts the very default mode of the human heart in all times, in all generations. That is self. One theologian says, there is something that's stunningly absent from the Lord's Prayer that is personal pronouns, I or my or me. It's not in there. Our Father, give us. So this is a community prayer. And what I love about that is that like, whenever we pray our, we're automatically beginning to bring in the people around us that are walking with us that are God's children too. Because God has a lot of kids. And he wants us to be like Jesus, selfless, not selfish. So it's our Father. And I've already said quite a bit, but it's like intimacy, nearness. Nothing builds intimacy like quality time, like real time with God. Listen, listen, listen. You can safely assume, safely assume, this is part of our problem. This is part of my problem, part of our problem. We forget that God wants to take us to a deeper place. There is always more with God. There's always more with God. You can safely assume that he wants to take you to a deeper place with him. You can safely assume that you have not arrived in your walk with God. Because God's goal is to make us just like Jesus. And the last time that I checked, I have a million miles to go. And so I come back to the mountain that image of, of Moses, and I just keep praying, and I just keep meeting with God face to face, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Jacob, yes, who wrestled all night in prayer before God, with God. Our Father in heaven, so if the Father piece is super intimate, it's super near, it's super close, it's like I can come and say anything, but in heaven reminds us that God is sovereign, he's above all, and he's transcendent, he's overall, that means that I'm not talking to one of my peers. I'm not talking to an equal when I talk with God. Oh yeah, I can talk in a normal voice. I don't get to have to get in like prayer mode voice or, you know, but, but I also talk with reverence and respect. Remembering who's on the throne of not just my life, but the entire world. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The prayer for, for God's name to be hallowed is, is for it to be treated as holy, to be treated as sacred, that, that God's name would be set apart, only glorious, truly only holy. 
This is the God. This is, this is our greatest, this is the, I think this is the greatest request in the prayer. God in heaven, may your name be treated as what it is. Glorious, holy, majestic, great. Oh yeah, we can keep going. More glory for God, but, but not just more glory, more renewal. And so these next sequence of, of prayers talk about the kingdom of God breaking in to our world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're talking about what characterizes the kingdom of God being evident in the present, the, like very pictures and previews of what life will be like forever with God. We want to see that in as many glimpses as we can right now. So there's a now component to this prayer, your kingdom come, and there's a not yet because there is a kingdom that's going to come and it will be set up and established forever. And so we long for that day. We just want to see it. And so we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. This is not so much the revealed will of God as like, hey, like live this way, do this, do that, as much as it is the sovereign will of God. Like God, whatever you want to happen, your plans and purposes, you accomplish it. And these are not separate, okay, because the revealed will should be fitting into God's sovereign will, just like Jesus praying on his knees, sweating, his sweat was like drops of blood when he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Bearing the, the, the entire sin of the, the world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you just imagine with me? Can you just imagine with me when you get in your closet and you really with sincerity of heart, there's meaning in your prayer. You're not just doing it because, like, hey, listen, let me just say this. For some of you, I'm just going to be mm, pastoral and helpful here. For some of you, I'm just telling you this is going to feel incredibly awkward. And it's going to feel awkward because you haven't done it in a while. But you, you get to that place and even like, God, help me pray. And, and you start praying, God, like in my workplace as in heaven, in my city as in heaven, in my home, 215 High Street, God, make it as much like heaven as it possibly can be. Look out. Look out. God wants to renew everything that's broken. He wants to save. He wants to heal. He wants to restore everything physically, spiritually, emotionally. God wants to do his amazing work. This is this prayer. Like, why is this prayer so amazing? It is, it is, it's infinitely deep. It touches everything, everything in our lives. More glory, more renewal. And those are, those are directed to God, and now we get more directed at us, more provision. God, would you give us this day our daily bread? It's a prayer for physical needs, for physical needs. You hear me this Christmas. You feel me this greedy Christmas. Come on. Somebody, can I get a witness? You know you want, you know you want that $500 item when you, you could get one for 200 our daily bread. No judgment. I've been there. I am there. Food, clothing, shelter. God, would you meet my needs for today? I mean, it's again, we're just so far removed from 
often this culture as American Christians who are seeking to live this new, this revolutionary new normal. But I mean, Jewish prayer morning and night, this is like a prayer for like daily bread today and tomorrow. God, would you meet our needs again? Like how many day laborers were there? They just like, they, they got hired in the morning, they went out, hopefully they made something to buy some bread. Give us this day. It's, a, it's like childlike trust every day coming to God. And then also more, more transformation, more glory, more renewal, more provision, more transformation. And this is aimed at our hearts as we seek to, like, this is, by the way, this is the, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is like Jesus is talking about anger. He's talking about lust. He's talking about keeping your word. He's talking about being faithful. He's talking about giving. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about loving your enemies. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Because I have not done that with my life like you've called me to. And my sin brings a debt before you that I need you to pay for and erase. And so the Lord's Prayer is what we could call a gospel prayer. It's a gospel prayer. God, I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me. I need you to reconcile, bring me back into a right relationship with you. And so for some of you today, maybe you need to pray this for the first time. God, forgive me and bring me into a real and vibrant relationship with you. But even after we pray that once, we keep on praying it every day. God, forgive me. Change me. Show me what it means to live for you. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil or some would say the evil one. There's schemes all around us. There's temptation all around us. And we need God's grace to protect us, to keep us focused on him, that we would say, no, there's, there's no temptations. It's not common to man. And God is faithful. He always provides a way out so that we can stand up under it. 2 Corinthians 10, 13. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. This is, this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. So let me just close with two quick thoughts, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to sing, and we're going to praise. As some have pointed out, you can learn almost everything about someone by listening to them pray. You you, You begin to understand their view of God, You begin to understand their view of themselves. You begin to understand their view of the world. As one ancient church father said, as we pray, so we believe. And so, God, we would just ask. We would just ask that you would give us your heart. You would give us your vision. That you would give us a fresh desire to like a child, like a child be in awe and wonder before you, to have such anticipation and excitement that we get to spend time with our dad again and again and again. And it's not one game, but it's two, three, or ten. Just more time with God. This is what we're invited into as children. Infinite joy, song, celebration, running, skipping, shouting. Be a child again. I want to invite the music team to come up. I want to invite our prayer team to come down.
You know, I think one of the best things that we, this is what I've learned. This is what I've learned. One of the best things that we can do to help us in our praying, this won't surprise you, I don't think. I hope, like, it just, it's so, it's so obvious that I miss it. One of the best things we can do for our praying is to pray about our praying. When's the last time you prayed about your praying? Did anyone pray about their praying this week? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high so I can see. Okay. So like, you know, less than 2%. That's like not judgmental. I'm not sure I prayed about my praying this particular week. But, but you get the point, right? Like it's just, pray about, so, so how about this? Today is our, music team's going to lead us in a song, but just maybe you just need to come individually and pray. And just say, God, change, like, make me a child again. Help me to have this kind of relationship with you that Jesus describes right here in these words. Perhaps you need to come and pray with someone. Maybe it's to pray about your praying. Maybe it's to pray about anything under the sun. Glory, renewal, provision, transformation, whatever it is. But I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to move and let's pray and let's seek the face of God together in this Christmas season. God, thank you for who you are and what you do and what you invite us into as your children. And so God, change us. Help us to to see you for who you are and be so enthralled, be so captivated, be so uh, just with awe and wonder, Lord, that we just keep coming back again, that you are the greatest gift. You are the greatest gift. You, God, only you. And so, God, would you make us children again? Would you make us seekers of your face? Would you give us that kind of delight in you to just come again and again and again? Because, God, we know in your presence there is strength, there is joy, there is freedom, there is provision. And so, God, give us faith, Lord, even in these moments, Lord, it's just, we probably like, oh, this relationship that Tanner's talking about of like praying for hours and like, it just it seems so foreign. It seems so far away. And yet, God, we say in our unbelief, God, help us to believe. And so, God, however you want to lead us to pray right now, help us, lead us to take steps of faith and courage toward you. Maybe that's coming to pray with someone. Maybe that's calling on your name for the first time to say, God, save me, forgive me, give me this relationship that Jesus died to bring me. God, move us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.